Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. And this week, for the entire show, a special guest, uh, a colleague of ours from the Blue blog. You may know him as Coach Connell on Twitter. Connell McNeilis is here. We've been wanting to have you on the show all year. Connell, welcome to Live from the Blue Steve. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm, I'm finally excited. Uh, you know, it's. Uh... During hockey season, my, my hockey season, it's it's tough to have any free time. So finally got a little bit of that now. Yeah, so uh, you obviously go by at Coach Connell on Twitter. For anybody out there that, that does not follow uh, follow you, I highly recommend it. Although you're not always uh, super active during games, but um, definitely some, some pearls of wisdom uh, consistently sprinkled throughout the timeline. But um, you are an actual hockey coach. Uh, so I wanted to give you a chance and then really just ask you uh, if you could just tell us like who you coach, what league, you know, you coach and the age of the players, what level of experience you have as a coach. Um, we'd just love to, to know your background, because I think part of what I want to talk to you about, what we want to talk about is, you know, your view a little bit on the Rangers from that sort of coach's perspective. But what's your background and what, what are you currently doing? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been coaching now. Um, I'm 28, but I've been I've been coaching pretty regularly since I was a teenager. But uh, currently coaching uh, for the New Jersey 87s, which is uh, I'm the head coach of their EHL, the Eastern Hockey League Premier Team. That's their younger team, their development team, and then the assistant coach on their Eastern Hockey League team, their top team, uh, which is Tier Three Juniors. Um, so to give you an example of that, we're hoping that title might turn into Tier Two, but that's a little you know we'll, we'll see what happens there but you know just for an example uh you know 13 of my ehl players this year are going to play division two or three hockey next year so uh, we're the number one league in north america as far as pushing guys ncaa d3 and d2 so um you know that's kind of the the world i've i've been working in here over the last couple of years before that i was actually coaching ncaa division three hockey at newman university which is outside of philly before that at adrian college at one of the top ACHA programs in the country. So I've been slowly but surely kind of working my way up the coaching ladder here. Um, you know, I played my whole life. I, I played, you know, club hockey at Syracuse, roller and ice. Um, and, and so, you know, uh, it's been part of who I am forever. I kind of knew I was always going to be a coach, whether I liked it or not, uh, especially when uh, my nickname on my high school hockey team was Torts. So, um, <laughs> you know, to shout out Mike Stickle for giving me that one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of, always been what I, I, I love doing and, and it's now turned into my career too. So um, yeah, that's where, that's where I come from. Gotta ask what's the genesis of that? What was the genesis and the story behind that nickname? Well, Torch was the coach of the Rangers at the time. Um, you know, my senior year of high school was 11, 12, uh, you know, when the Rangers had that great run to the conference finals and uh, I'm a very vocal guy. Um, I'm an intense guy. Uh, and, and so, and, and back then, you know, that was the, the black and blue shirts. I wore 24 and was, you know, one of the captains. And so Callahan was my guy. And, uh, even as a defenseman, I, I always kind of played that hard style. Uh, so, you know, it was kind of just a combination of, of, you know, all those things. And on top of the fact that I was always talking and, and kind of coaching as a bench, even as a 17, 18 year old. Awesome. Well, we're, we're so uh, grateful to have you on. Obviously it's been great having you as part of the, the Blue Seat Blog you know, crew, and you've written a few posts for the site. Um, but great to have you on the podcast. Also, you do uh, appear regularly on another podcast, the Every NYR Goal podcast. Do you want to shout that out real quick also? Yeah, shout out my boy Jake, Albie. Uh, we're recording tomorrow. We, we've been kind of inconsistent with it. Uh, you know, He's actually in a band, so and he does like producing and stuff. So uh, during the hockey season between my schedule and his schedule, it's not always uh, – it's always a lot of last-second stuff. But, you know, he does a great job there. Um, you know, he's a pretty funny guy and he puts all those videos on YouTube for anybody who's been watching him. I've been watching him for, I don't know, seven, eight years. He's been doing it with every Ranger goal that he puts together. So, uh, does a little bit of that. We have some fun with it. Do a little pop culture stuff too, uh, once in a while, but, uh, yeah, we'll be recording tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome. So, uh, we are recording this show in the direct aftermath of the Rangers three, nothing win over the Winnipeg Jets, their third consecutive shutout MSG showed the stats. 
right after the game that it's the first time the Rangers have done that since 1973. So we're going way, way back uh, to the last time the Rangers were able to string together three consecutive shutouts. And um, Becky and Dave, to bring you guys into the show, um, you know, this team is rolling right now. Uh, and, I, and I think just what's your what are what's sort of top of mind coming off of another game where the Rangers, you know, blank their opponent. Granted, I don't think they were as defensively uh, stellar in this one as they were in, in the previous two that, you know, Winnipeg did generate a fair amount of offense, but, you know, Becky, you first, you know, where, where's your confidence as a Ranger fan right now? It's high. Um, I've always been kind of the optimistic person, I think, as far as I was, always kind of like telling people listen like it's not always charts you've got to watch like watch the game haha you know like it's good if they're not playing that well and they're still getting wins then that's great because they can play better and then when they do play better it's all going to come together and so I feel like very um look we've clinched you don't want to back into the playoffs so you don't want to be on a losing streak when you go into the playoffs right you don't want to any of that so I'm glad they're winning if they're, I want them to rest, guys. I want them to be able to have a little bit of rejuvenation because if we know how much these teams, the New York Rangers, not these teams, love seven-game playoff series, like they're going to need to rest up. So I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really confident and really looking forward to the playoffs. Dave, how about your um... – what have you seen, maybe not even just in this game, but again, over the last week since we last, you know, our last episode, we've, we've not seen the Rangers give up a goal and now 180 minutes plus of hockey. So um, again, kind of same thing, you know, what are you seeing top line here that's making them so successful right now? That's making them successful. I mean, they actually have NHL players. (laughs) It's amazing what, a trade deadline can do where they didn't even give up anything substantial. And I think to build on what Becky said, they were banking points early in the season. And I think we all kind of knew they were going to do something big at the deadline, even if it wasn't a big splash. And the systems that they play are for lack of a better phrase, basic enough, and Connell can keep me honest on this one, that any NHLer can really jump right in. It's not like the AV system where is that bullshit hybrid uh, overload and man system in the defensive zone that any newcomer took half a season to figure out where the fuck he was supposed to go. Any player can walk right into a Gallant system, Gallant system and pick right up where they left off. And with the Rangers, they got all the AHL and tweeners out of the lineup. They put actual NHL talent on the ice. And now we're seeing what they can do with Gallant as the coach, with Shesterkin and Nett, and the high-end skill they have at the top of the lineup that's actually getting room to skate because play, the teams have to actually play against the third and fourth lines now. And... If it weren't for Florida winning 10 games in a row right now, which is just obscene, I think the Rangers could realistically be a favorite in the East. I don't know if I answered the question, but that was just the overall positivity. I don't know if I actually answered the question, though. Oh, no, I I think that was – I think you definitely did there, Dave. And I I, I think, you know, you mentioned – uh, the Rangers system and maybe it being a simplicity thing, which has enabled them to um, the new guys to integrate so smoothly. But, you know, Connell, I did want to get your thoughts on, on, on that, you know, again, kind of from that coach's X's and O's perspective, I was actually listening to Jacob Truba's interview from a couple of days ago. And he mentioned that they did tweak something in their defensive zone coverage, you know, maybe after the first month or two of the season, which, you know, led to them giving up fewer scoring chances. And in general, You know, that hasn't seemed to be a problem, you know, after the first, say, six, seven weeks of the season. They got better defensively, but then, you know, generating scoring chances kind of was there, was what was holding them back. Now, obviously, that's not not quite as much of a problem, given the the depth and what Dave was saying, the talent in the lineup. But, you know, have you noticed anything or or, or are you more of the mindset or of the mind that – Gallant is more, and, and, and this is more of just a buy-in thing with the Rangers. Is, is, is it more of a buy-in and an attitude thing and less of a tactical thing, or have you seen, like, actual X's and O's types of adjustments? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I definitely think it's a buying thing. I mean, I think very clearly um, Gallant's teams enjoy playing for him. Um, and, you know, he seems to, to find that happy happy medium of, of, you know, pushing when he's got to push. But, you know, especially at this time of the year is – as, as the guys come in, you just got to let him play. And, and I think he's got the luxury now of true, you know, as a guy who wants to roll four lines, he can roll four lines, right? I mean, that's something that we saw him maybe to a fault do earlier in the year uh, when he was stuck with that, you know, maybe McKeg and, and, and Revo uh, a few times there. So, um, you know, I, I think it's probably a good mix and match of both and is what you, and that's what you need. Uh, you know, he wants to play this up-tempo system, uh, and when you have guys who could skate up and down the lineup, I mean, we talked about him, and, and it sucks that he's hurt right now, but, like, a guy like Mott is such a gallant player, right? Like, that prototypical bottom six, you know. Rob, I know you compared him to Dom Moore. I said a poor man's haggling, like, that that kind of style of player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need that kind of modern prototype player in your bottom six to, to play the way gallant wants to play. And now we're seeing... You know, I think that was the patience thing. And, and as people got on, maybe him and, and Drury throughout the year, I think now, like, you know, there was a bit of patience. Let's wait till they get to the deadline. Wait till they get to the deadline. Let's see what they do. They rounded out the roster. And uh, I think, going back to Becky's point, I think you have to feel confident where they're at right now. So to go back to your original point, I think it's a perfect mix and match of the buy-in, but also having the players to fit the system that the Glot wants to play. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and, and, you know, since you haven't, you know, been on with us as, you know, until now, which is we're through 77 games, um, where were you throughout the early part of the season, Connell? Because, you know, we, we spent, you know, however many weeks in a row, we've done the show every single week since the season started. It's been 27, 28 weeks now, you know, and I think Becky was right, like sort of playing a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, you know, let's be the Zen Rangers podcast, right? Let's not freak out about the fact that they're giving up 45 shots every other night and Igor's having to stand on his head. Um, I think we, uh, we all kind of felt like this was coming um, <clears throat> and that they were going to play better given the talent, given the, you know, glance teams really, uh, you know, weren't known for being goaltending dependent the way maybe some of those AD, AD teams were, but you know, how did you feel throughout this season and were you worried early on when it was kind of the Igor show? Yeah, I, I think, I think I was just happy they were competing. I mean, you know, from a from a coaching standpoint, I could, to my own detriment, break down every single game. And sometimes I, I need to realize that I do that with two teams for a living already. I need to maybe try to relax when I'm watching the Rangers, especially <laughs> especially in October. Otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna die a lot younger than I want to. So, um, um, you know, I, I think I you know kind of go through it. I, I knew there was going to be an adjustment period with a new coach. It just always is. Um, and it very, it was very apparent to me early on that this was not going to be, if they wanted to be competing and successful, this was not going to be and could not be the roster they went into the final two, three months of the season. And obviously, uh, you know, retroactively now we, we saw them make those changes. So I, I think quietly internally i knew they needed to be better from a pure fan perspective i I enjoyed what i could um but i can only let that go so far because then the coach in me just kind of takes over and i start getting angry so uh uh, you know i think that's just kind of as the season's gone along but then you they hit that stretch in november and you could kind of see okay there's something here right how are we going to tweak this to make sure this happens every night and they clearly have, I think, done that uh, with, you know, the pieces they added to go back to that. So, um, you know, back in the day, I probably would have been, you know, a lot more ride and die with every every game as when I was 19. I, I just think for my health's sake, I can't quite do that anymore. But, uh, you know, internally, I do it. I just don't maybe tweet about it as much, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, and I, I think I want to go around the, the table quickly on this one and get everybody's thoughts. But um, and, and I apologize if we, we may have covered this already, but, I'm, you know, we may just do it again. But I'll start with you, Connell, since you're new. Out of the, all the deadline additions they made, you know, who's your favorite of them and why? Uh, you obviously mentioned Mott earlier. 
I know he's hurt now, but that can be your answer if you want it to be. But so who who is your you know favorite player they added, and who do you think has made the, the biggest impact? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's it's easy to say all of them. Uh, you know, it, you know, obviously Braun is is in probably a different tier, but you know, I think there's nothing wrong with having a, a tenured guy on the blue line just to pick up some things if they need any help. Uh, I'm probably torn. I mean, Vetrano is is adds such a bit of spice, but this I'm such a coach now, I, I can't help it. Uh, like. Cop and Mott's 200 foot game is just like everything I look for in a hockey player. Uh, so it's um, logically it's Cop, but my heart would say Mott just because I love that that kind of player, and and I think you need that kind of player. Um, you know, I, I was the guy who who rocked a Brian Boyle jersey through the entire 2014 run, so that can <laughs> kind of tell you the kind of players that I, I certainly appreciate. Um, and yeah, so probably logically it's Cop. My heart would say Mott. Yeah. Becky, what about you? Who's your favorite of the new guys? I think I answered it recently, and I think I said Mott also. Um, but in light of his absence now, I'm going to go ahead and say Vetrano just because he's like a spicy little nugget, and I just love him. I just absolutely <laughs> love him. Well, a and spicy I was say, little I nugget. That... I like it. He is. He is. Like, he scored that goal, and then fucking Larkin like pushed him way after and he got up in his business and I was like I love that even though I want Dylan Larkin to be a New York Ranger like I love that for you Frankie like you are just such a spicy little nugget I love him well then Kreider captain captain stuff stepping in and making sure that it doesn't escalate too which was a great team moment um escalating with a hub too (laughs) yeah of course it was great and then Lafreniere basically you know ended Larkin's season with that move yeah Yeah, he he literally did uh so I was gonna play devil's advocate because I thought everybody was gonna say cop or Mott and I was gonna go Vetrano just because he's that shoot first guy that every that this entire team needed because if they made one more fancy pass that didn't go through when they had the wide open shot at the high slide, I was going to shoot somebody. Um, but you, you know what? I, I'm, I'm still going to play devil's advocate, and I'm going to make a case for Justin Braun. So Are you, though? <laughs> Please, I am, tell me. I, I am going to make yeah. a case for Justin Braun, because before Patrick Nemeth actually started, you know, being an, an NHL-quality defenseman this year, he, the Rangers didn't have anybody to put Braden Schneider with it was the ghost of Patrick Nemeth or Libor Hayek and honestly any of us on the podcast at this point would have been better option obviously I'm being facetious here but neither one of them were getting the job done so Justin Braun at the trade deadline brought stability knowing that he could play the left side he has that quote-unquote veteran presence that everybody loves so much and until Nemeth actually started putting his game together, Braun Schneider for a hot second was actually the best third pairing they had for a while. And now with well, Schneider David, basically yeah. stapled in, if Nemeth's game goes to hell again, you have a fill-in option. You don't go straight to Libor Hayek, which we didn't want to see. And that gives the Rangers much-needed depth that their trade deadline acquisition is actually a healthy scratch because the guy they thought was going to be good finally woke up. There's a level of well, comfort you, there for me. You could also, I also wonder if that maybe, and look, we know Nemeth, we don't know for sure, but it seems like he's had some, a difficult season off the ice. And adjusting to a new city, you know, New York, although Nemeth's been traded a few times in his career, you never know how that, how that uh, you, know, you know, plays uh, for, in a guy's life. I mean, we know Jacob Truba had a really rough first year in New York, and now that he's come into his own and has been fantastic this season. Um, but, but, Braun may have pushed Nemeth, right? I mean, you know, teams talk about internal competition all the time and, you know, not, you know, uh, at least outside of your superstar players, you know, guys not having solidified spots in the lineup, you know, making sure you need to play well and work hard in order to keep your place in the lineup. So having Braun there, a little bit of internal competition for Nemeth might have, might have, you know, been part of that equation as well. Um, I said cop, and we did talk about this last week, so I apologize. But what I do want to say about, Vetrano that I've noticed um, is really just what he's brought to that line from a chemistry perspective. I mean, look, you know, the Kreider and Zibanejad played with, with Pavel Buchnevich for years on and off since 2016. 
And that was a great line. There's no, there's no, uh, you know, arguing that, but what I've seen, you know, the speed and sort of like the direct manner in which that, that Kreider and Zibanejad and Alvatrano line plays with is really striking to me. I mean, it, it, it really does to me take advantage of every single player's strengths on that, on that line, right? You've got, you know, Kreider's the straight line players, Zibanejad being a little bit more of a playmaker now, and the space is open up for Vitrano to take those shots from the high slot, and he's going to take them every chance he gets. I, I noticed it in the Winnipeg game, you know, last night, listening, listening to this on Wednesday morning. Um, I noticed the, the, just the chemistry in that line has been tremendous, and they're also rocking some pretty good, uh, you know, underlying metrics as well. So, you know, Vitrano's been an incredible ad. Cobb's been awesome as well. Um, so, look, I mean – Great trade deadline, and, and as we've been saying, that's really what has solidified this team for what we hope will be a long playoff run. So speaking of that, the, the, the big topic that's kind of been out there for the last you know, couple of days, considering the fact that the Rangers are, are in, they're, they're essentially playing out the string, although they're, they're, they are fighting Carolina for first place, is you know, who is their preferred or ideal playoff opponent. So there's basically four options here. There's the Washington Capitals who are making a late season charge. They're breathing down the neck of the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are the other option. And then if the Rangers do happen to overtake Carolina, they would end up with one of Tampa Bay or Boston. So let me hear it from you guys. Becky, I'll start with you. Of those four teams, which one do you want to face and why? I think I want to play the Penguins. Because I feel like the Rangers did well, have done well against them toward the end of the season, especially. So I think they would be my preferred pick. I look, I think it would be great to end to finish number one. I think that the Rangers could honestly take any of those teams. Capitals are hot right now, so I don't know. But um, but yeah, I I think I want to say the Penguins, and I hope this doesn't come back to bite me in the ass. Yeah, well, you know. Us as uh, you know, fans and podcasters, it's you know, it's it's fine for us to talk about this stuff. I think to a certain extent, it it's, makes me it's, nauseous. It's when you ask, to be completely honest, it makes me want to vomit and die. So, I mean, <laughs> Jari being like, here's my my. This is how insane I am, right? I'm like, oh, Jari's hurt, like you know, and I don't, God, do not wish injuries on on players, but like he's hurt. Okay, that's like good because he's a you know, if the if the Mets if the Rangers played. <laughs> If the Rangers played them because, um, you know, that's their starting goalie and he had a pretty good season and blah, blah, blah. But then, like, the psychopath in me is like, wait, but the Rangers, like, can't beat backup goalies. So I just – this whole comfortable – this whole line of question makes me uncomfortable and I just want to sit and vomit. So I'm going to pass it along. Dave? Oh, boy. Um. So I don't want to face Washington because they're real, playing really well right now. And I hate going up against teams that are playing well heading into the playoffs. Becky already said Pittsburgh. God. You know, we can have the same answer, right? Like, there's no rule. I, I know, but there's something about the Penguins that scares me. And I don't know what it is exactly. It's not the backup goalie thing. I don't know what it is. It's just the Rangers and the... I don't know. You know what? I am going to go the Bruins for a few reasons. One, they have no offense outside of their top line. Two, they're struggling heading into the postseason. They're playing 500 hockey. They had a gift of an opportunity to really catch Tampa, and they didn't. Tampa's also playing 500 hockey. And, you know, what? out of all of the wild card guys, there's just... I don't think they have the depth to really match up. I, they're very top-heavy, and I prefer playing top-heavy teams in the playoffs. Okay. That's reasonable. Connell? Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh were the obvious choice. Um, I don't think they're very good. Um, I, I, I'm... This is... I'm not really afraid of anybody outside of – and even Carolina, I think they're the best team in the East, top to bottom. 
Um, but I'm not really too worried about it. And, and to be completely honest, I, I would say Boston next to Pittsburgh, but uh, no one really terrifies me with the way I think the Rangers could play when they want to. And we've had this conversation before. I think they're probably, I don't think they're going to limp into the playoffs. They, I think they're just going to take care of business like they did tonight. And we've said it before. This team very clearly has the ability to just turn it on. I think they're, they're going to be ready to go for the first round of the playoffs here. Um, and, and realistically, um, I'm not too worried about anybody. I might not want to play Tampa in the first round, but Tampa's got to lose at some point. So, yeah. um, you know what I mean? At this point, I'm not too concerned. Pittsburgh are number one, probably Boston too, but uh, I'm, I'm just – I'm not really that concerned about it, to be honest. Yeah, there's something about – we're all avoiding the caps, which is funny because if, if I think if I asked this question two weeks ago, everybody would have said Washington mm. pretty much mm. unanimously. But they've gotten hot, and there's something about that team, even though their goaltending's pretty bad, there's something about that team that just screams annoying, difficult seven game series. Yeah. So even if the Rangers end up winning it, that feels like the team that would be most likely to take it the distance, and then you're going into if you are fortunate enough to win game seven, you're going into round two, probably against Carolina. Um, uh, or actually you might be facing Florida, whichever one of the two, uh, in rough shape because you've just played a hell of a seven-game series. Yeah. For some reason, Pittsburgh seems like a team that if, if you take care of business in the first two games at home, you probably win the series in five. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you guys on Boston in the sense that, you know, yeah, the, the, the top line does you know seventy percent of the work there, and 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 it's a it's a it's a it's kind of a bunch of you know middling uh, type of players uh, throughout the lineup. Otherwise, so um, and look, Tampa's Tampa. They're 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 back to back champs. I, I don't think they're winning a third Stanley Cup, but well, that would be a pretty tough first round draw. So no, look, I mean it's 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 one of those questions that and I think we're you know we we're I think we may have already answered one of the fan questions. So. Uh, but we'll still shout it out at the end of the show here. Um, but, but it's, you know, you can't help but look ahead as a fan, right? I mean, um, and, and, you know, I think the Rangers, this team does have the ability to make a run. So that's kind of why, you know, we're, that's kind of why we're, we're, you know, looking at it. But um, before we move on, so and we will get to the fan questions in a second. I did want to sort of like ask if anybody here had any, uh, thoughts about Joe Micheletti's commentary during the Rangers Winnipeg Jets game this evening. Anything jump off the page or jump off the screen to any of you guys? So when I was, I was admittedly barely watching the game. So I needed it was been a rough day and I just needed a mental break. So I kind of just was half watching and I just kept hearing say by Shesterkin, say by Shesterkin. And then I put into the group chat why does it sound like this game is entirely Shesterkin? And Rob, that kind of set you off a little bit because <laughs> yeah, it did. you said ignore Micheletti. He's not being, we'll go with he's not telling the whole truth or he's telling his version of the truth. And that kind of, you know, Micheletti is basically the biggest homer there is aside from Sam and the Boston Bruins announcers. So, I, I don't know. I, I, they could definitely do better than Micheletti, but that's Wait, just Wait, I disagree. Me. I don't think Micheletti is a homer. I think he's like a homer for the other team all the yeah, time. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I don't think Micheletti is a homer. I think I'm, I'm not a fan. I've made my opinions on the broadcast many a times. I think it's pretty bad. But um, Sam is like a homer in the sense that he's trying not to be a homer. And Joe, I don't think, is a homer at all. Yeah, I think... I think Joe is just, he's a bit of a buffoon, honestly. I, I, I think he, I, so I think I'm he, with you. I think he actually is pretty down the middle normally. Yeah. Um, but he will go to great lengths to praise the other team, even if the Rangers are absolutely destroying them all over the ice, which has happened a lot over the last three weeks. You know, this team has had its share of dominant performances. And, you know, Joe always throws in a comment like if the, if the Philadelphia Flyers get one good scoring chance, he'll say, he'll say something like, oh, this team never goes away, Sam. They really work hard. And it's like, <laughs> Joe, they're like 2-20 and 20 in their last 22 games. Come on. Um, 
no, the thing that, that was – the thing that bothered me tonight was the Rangers scored the opening goal on the power play. Great goal by Ryan Strom mm. uh, off the rush. Top shelf deflection, very nice off a ridiculous pass from uh, from the advantage ad. Um, and, and Winnipeg responded. I mean, they came right back, had a really good shift. Ehlers had a great scoring chance. And then I think they had a couple of uh, scoring chances on the next shift as well. And Micheletti actually suggested that Gerard Gallant call a timeout to, like, stop Winnipeg's momentum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, my mouth hit the floor. I was like, what are you, what are you saying? I, this makes absolutely no sense. First of all, it is, for all intents and purposes, a meaningless game for the Rangers. Now, look, they're, they're fighting for first. We just talked about how they want to stay sharp ahead of the playoffs. You know, I think they put in a pretty good effort. I think the only game they really didn't play well at all and still won was that Flyers game, actually, after they clinched. Pretty much other than that, they played pretty solid hockey after clinching a playoff spot. And this was a fine effort against a very desperate team. I think Winnipeg is basically officially out now. They needed to win all of their last six games to even have a prayer. So it was essentially like playing a team in a playoff game when you're up 3-0 or 3-1. They're, they're going to throw everything at you and be pretty desperate. And so, okay, fine. They get a couple of scoring chances. They were good chances. It wasn't, they weren't like completely ridiculous, uh, you know, scoring chances. It wasn't like the Toronto or Carolina games earlier in the year where it looked like the Rangers were playing no defense at all. They got kind of garden variety, you know, solid scoring chances. And Micheletti was like, the Rangers need to call a timeout here, Sam. And I was like, <laughs> This guy has no idea. He just does not understand the modern game. And I think, you know, you know, I, there are, uh, people have varying opinions about the national broadcasts and, you know, the, the different kind of announcers that, have, that are sprinkled across TNT and ESPN now. And I think, you know, uh, there's some good and some bad. But I think the thing with, you know, um, Brian Boucher comes to mind. Uh, Eddie Olchek comes to mind. Um, there's a few others that I'm sure I'm forgetting. I mean, even, even Darren Pang, even Dave Baloney, by the way, on the Rangers radio, which is a very good awesome. call, him and Kenny Albert usually, they have a, a really good feel for the modern game. And I think that Micheletti, uh, even though he's not like a, a super old guy or anything like that, he, he has just a very, I think, like out-of-date view of the game. Not so much from like a fighting or like a physical play standpoint, but just like a, I don't know, I can't quite articulate it right now, but... He, you know, he just does not seem to be able to um, convey what's going on on the ice very well. And I think he often, you know, overreacts to things within within the course of the game. And, yeah, I mean, look, I've sort of been uh, neutral about about Joe Micheletti. And obviously Sam Rosen is much more of a nostalgia thing for me. I mean, I grew up with the guy. I've known nothing but his voice on Ranger games. But, you know, I tend to agree with you, Connell, that the, the MSG broadcast is, is in pretty – uh, it's in need of a facelift pretty mm. soon. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I've made him – I love Sam, uh, obviously, for what he is, but he's been bad for a while. I just don't enjoy that in, in, a, in a play-by-play announcer. And Micheletti, like you said, I, he just adds nothing. Like you said, he's just so bland. He adds nothing to the broadcast. Um, you know, you, you mentioned it before, but, you know, the radio broadcast, I happen to – I don't know. I've, I've listened to a decent amount of the radio, uh, you know, this year if I'm on the road or something. And, um, you know, what David and Kenny have, uh, Kenny obviously being as good as he is as a play-by-play guy. But, yeah, like you said, D- Dave really does seem to understand the modern game, and he still has that, you know, kind of old-school uh, approach to it, I think. But, um, you know, I think the Rangers – it sucks because they're never going to fire Sam, right? So no. they kind of just need him to retire. I always said he probably should have retired, like, after they went to the Cup or maybe, like, 14, 15. Like, at this point, like, when they put out the letter, I thought maybe Sam would be like, all right, screw this. I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> um, like, I, I'm good. But, um, you know, I, I think that's – it's frustrating, for, like you said, for someone like me who approaches the game, obviously, from a coaching standpoint, to have nobody on the broadcasting – offer anything like that until we go uh in between periods to Valaket, right and so i think yeah. you're, when you watch some of these other guys obviously we don't see a ton of them but i think ray ferraro is by far the best um but you know boucher is good i think panger is good i love eddie olchek when they actually like can break things down i feel like nicoletti just can't <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're just can. you're missing something and i think that's uh, I don't, it doesn't help educate or grow fans uh, the way some of these other guys can. What I was going to say, so you have that from sort of a tactical perspective, and I mean, Becky, you're not a fan for an entirely for entirely different 
set of reasons, pretty much, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't like the over, like, overly Homer aspect. Um, if you listen to, like, some broadcasts, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like, but I also don't like, and I, I'm fine with, like, a little bit of criticism. Like, Dave Maloney, if, like, the Rangers are playing like shit, will be like, the Rangers are playing like shit, and it's yeah. fantastic. But, like, Micheletti annoys me so much. I mean, Sam definitely should retire. I think it's just getting too fast. And also, like, don't you want to retire and just, like, enjoy? Like, if someone said to me, like, hey, you could stop working tomorrow, I'd be like, fucking great, man. Like, this is wonderful, you know? So, um, I-, I don't know. But I love Panger. I We were watching a Blues game the other night, and I was just like, he's just, like, invigorating. And he is, like, a little, you know, like, he loves the team or whatever, but, like, he's not, like, obnoxious about it. I mm-hmm. I really love Panger. Um, but, yeah, no, McLeddy annoys me to, like, literally no end. And I'm sure he is an extremely nice human being, too. Like, I, I hope this doesn't come across as, like, I hate Joe McLeddy and his whole family. Like, I I, I don't. He seems like a very kind person, but he annoys the fucking shit out of me, and I don't want to hear him talking anymore. Yeah, well, uh, uh, I, I was just going to say with Becky, first off, Mets take care of business here. Uh, yes. Two wins today. But, yes. but like, you know, you talk about how good the SNY broadcast is, and I love Keith and Ron because, like you said, they will absolutely shit on the Mets. <laughs> like, that's why they're so good. Like, when Keith groans because someone makes a throwing error, like, yeah. good. You yep. should. They made a mistake. You should be allowed to criticize them. Um, and and I think you know, even going back to in this in the studio, I think Valiquette does a good good job of that. And yeah. and I have a little bit of bias knowing Steve a little bit, but like it it, it changes things up. And I, I just think I think that's important. And like and then you go to like even like the Knicks broadcast, and and, and Clyde will rip the Knicks apart. So I don't really understand. Well, all the time. I don't understand why the Rangers broadcast doesn't do it. When you think of all these other someone on their own network will do it yet they won't do it i don't really get it yeah it's not a dolan thing i think a lot of people think like oh it's james yeah. dolan doesn't want them and it's not that i mean mike mike breen and oh Clyde, like you said but they, Breen will if the knicks are not trying which that has happened a lot over the last 20 years they mm-hmm. have dogged an awful lot of games <laughs> he will come out and say like this is an extremely poor effort by the Knicks, Clyde. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and just put that out there and say, like, basically this team is not trying. And the people in this arena are booing because the team <laughs> is not trying and they deserve to be booed. I know. Listen, it's, it's, it's wild to me that for whatever reason that, you know, the Ranger broadcast is, it, it is the way it is. I also thought Micheletti was kind of a weird choice to replace John Davidson when he originally left because he was the Islander broadcaster. Micheletti's actually done a lot of Islander games recently, I think because, which Goring hasn't been around, at least when I flipped an Islander game on, he, you know, he hasn't been on it. They've kind of had a rotating cast of characters. So we'll see. It's on the, look, it's, it's way down the priority list, but uh, I did want to get a little bit of a Joe Micheletti rant off my chest here. So I thank you all for indulging me. And they had a prime opportunity to get John Forslund in who I, I think he's the best announcer there is. The Seattle Kraken, I think have the best duo with John Forslund and Allison Lucan. They are just phenomenal, and they had a prime opportunity to bring him in, and they didn't. But they can't also go the John John Amaranti route, where they kind of just like pushed Amaranti to the side, and he said, "Yeah, I still wanted to do this," but they said no. Like they can't do that with Sam. Yeah, no, and I think they're probably going to learn their lesson from that because people were very angry about Amarante, and you know, even though you know folks like us might understand that it's time for Sam Rosen to go. I think there would be a large segment of the Ranger fan base that if, if word got out that he was pushed out, that would be a PR nightmare. So, no, that's a, that is a – it's Sam Rosen's call as to when he wants to retire, yeah. um, as it probably should be, honestly. The guy's been be. on the network be. for almost 40 years. So 40 right, years. Um, Good Becky, Lord. Well, yeah, it was probably, I think it was 1986 or 87, I want to say, that he started. So, yeah, almost 40. Um Let's go to the fan questions. We're running out of time here. Becky, hit us with them. Almost 40 years. That's that's disgusting. Um, okay. okay. Let me pull them up. So we do have a couple of questions. I will start with... Um, so our, our friend Built to Spill asked, who are some ideal first-round matchups for us? So I think we kind of went through this. Um, 
is there an ideal first round matchup? I guess. I don't know. Like, could we get creative and think like any team ever? Like, who would be the ideal? The Islanders. Wait, they're out. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Eliminated by. <laughs> I, well, I wanted to mention that. I'm glad we had it. I'm glad that reminded me to do so. I mean, uh, no, the I think... ideal opponent is probably a team that doesn't have depth and has an injured goalie, so it's probably Pittsburgh. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Next question. So Matt at Butterfly Pain Twelve said. Capo has terrible luck with injuries. You never wish that on a player, but how much do you think the injuries will cost him when his entry-level contract expires? How much of a bargain will Capo be when he signs his new deal? It's an interesting question. Well, butterfly pain. What was the at at handle? Twelve. Butterfly pain twelve. If I'm you... guessing they're a goalie. Yeah. Well, I I am also guessing that they did not read what was up at 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning because I legit wrote Kako's injuries may be a blessing in disguise for the Rangers. Um, they're going to cost him. Yeah, in regards to the contract. He doesn't have the counting stats. He played 40 games this year. He's going to need a monster playoffs to even get to what Evolving Hockey had him at for... I think it was the last offseason. They had him at a two to a three-year deal at $2 million. I don't think he gets that. I think I think he goes one million, oh, sorry, one year, $1.5 million in a show-me deal so that he can get the third contract that's a bigger deal. Um, I think he. I think that's a Kako thing. I think he wants, I think he's going to want to have that kind of a deal because he knows that if he signs a long-term deal, he's leaving money on the table. Hmm. Yeah. Connell, we've had a lot of conversations, but you know our our uh, great listener base here hasn't been privy to them. Um, I would love to you, for you to share just some of your thoughts on on what you think of Kako as a player, and especially now. You know, I think he, you know even in the short stint that he was back uh, after his most recent injury before hurting his leg against Detroit on on Saturday. I mean, I thought he looked like a better player, even in in a very limited sort of sample, but. Um, I would love to hear your just overall thoughts on him as a player so far, you know, through whatever it is now is almost three seasons in the NHL. Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, I think my, my thoughts on him were the reason I'm here right now. Cause I, I tweeted about uh, his hand placement in his rookie season. And I think that's yep. what, when Dave, Dave yep. messaged me that to ask me to jump on. So um, I, I think I wrote about Dave wrote about that and we've talked about it. So I don't think that into that. I, I said for a while, I think his, peak or you know his is is poor man's rick nash that's what i keep saying i don't think his offensive game is ever uh going to translate like we probably want it to at the nhl level uh, i don't think he has an elite shot um and like that was kind of like rick nash too like if he wasn't scoring four feet from the paint he probably wasn't scoring and there's nothing wrong with that i mean we've seen chris Kreider do it for 50 goals this year uh, but that's not always the easiest thing to do. I like Kako's game, uh, you know, comparatively and what it's built to. I thought he looked really good the other night. It sucks whatever he hurt with his leg. Um, but, you know, if from from the contract standpoint, as Dave say, if Kako's his agent's probably saying the same thing, one-year deal, $1 million, $1.5 million, you got to prove yourself. If I'm the Rangers, I'm trying to see if I could squeeze three or four years out of them on a pretty low AAV. Um, but, you know, we're always pro player here, so I want guys to get their bag. But um, I, I think overall, like I said, I don't think he's ever a prototypical first line player. Um, I think he's going to be a middle six winger, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I also don't think that's a failure of a draft pick. Like some people just, I think you see the Connor McDavid's and the Sidney Crosby's and everyone thinks they get a top five pick. And that's what it's going to be uh, when the vast majority of these players take time to develop. Uh, and I think Cock is a guy who very clearly probably shouldn't even been in the NHL his, his, his rookie year. Um, and, and so long-term, I think his injuries, you know, are going to slow him down as a development, probably as Dave said, go check out the post folks uh, is going to help the Rangers uh, as far as, what they could sign him to uh, if he wants to sign for a couple years. Um, but yeah, poor man, Rick Nash is, is my capo caco uh, long-term evaluation. If he surpassed that, I'd be pretty surprised. Doesn't mean I don't like him as a player. I do, but that's what I think of him. Yeah. Makes sense. I like that. So, so before we move on from this, I want to 
mention something that I saw in the comments that I tweeted out in terms of comparable contracts or at least comparable production. Uh, Yasperi Kokaniemi, uh, how, how do you pronounce his last name? Somebody help me out here. Yeah, Kokaniemi. Yeah. yeah, something like that. From a production standpoint, he, him and Kako are almost identical. And obviously he got off a sheeted uh, $6.1 million for one year, and then they gave him eight years, $4.8 million. Do you think Kako's agents are looking at eight years, $4.8 million, saying, you know what, that actually might not be a bad idea? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it right now if I was the Rangers. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would either. Right. Those injuries scare me. Yep. That's, I wouldn't do it. Uh, sorry, I jumped on Rob there. Rob, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I, I also still think. What was what was Kaki and Emmy's draft slot? Uh, he wasn't second overall. Was he? No, he wasn't second overall. I think he was a top five though. Let me look it up real quick. Was he? Yeah, because I, well, yeah, I mean that changes things. I mean, if he was more of like a mid first round pick, I'd be like, well, yeah, I mean that's a great that's a great deal for him. I, look, I would think that Kako and his agent oh. believe that they can third overall. Yeah, wow, okay. I knew he was top yeah. five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Behind Darlene and Svechnikov. I mean, the, Rangers would, the Rangers wouldn't and shouldn't do it. Uh, that's then I'll agree with you guys. I uh, I suppose that. Um, if Kako wanted to do that or, you know, they could look at that as a comparable, but I don't think either party would want to do that. Honestly. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't seem to make sense. That's a really weird contract mm-hmm. for everybody involved. Yeah. And for the record, he's 11, 15, 26 and 65 games. So he's not exactly earning his money right now. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Next question. All right. Immortal Lou asks, should we be resting a different player every night for the rest of the regular season? I'm going to say yes, but that's just me popping in there. Yeah. So I've got, I'm coming at this from like two minds in the sense that the way that modern sports teams are run right and and we talk about analytics and things like that and you know people think charts and all that stuff that we see especially on hockey twitter you you think about efficiency stats in basketball and war and baseball and all that stuff but there's also a whole other level of analytics with sports science right like the ability to actually see um which players are are healthy right through all sorts of data i mean the players are wearing like ID chips in their jerseys and they might be wearing vests underneath their padding that, that sort of they, that can track heart rate and all these other, all this other stuff. So the, the training and medical staff has a very good uh, picture of the health of these players beyond just what they report in terms of bumps, bruises, broken bones, etc. Um, now look in all, across all sports, maybe with the exception of the NFL, since there's only 17 regular season games, rest has become a huge thing in baseball, in basketball, in soccer to a certain extent when your team has a, you know, they play once a week, but they sometimes have midweek games. They have to rotate the squad. Um, it's not a thing in hockey. And I think that's very much like a macho culture thing that has persisted where, you know, uh, if you're healthy or if you can stand on your skates, you need to get out there and try and play. Um, you don't see like load management, that term, come up at all in hockey. So, um Part of me says, yes, like they should be doing load management, especially since they're clinched. But I do see the other side of it. And actually, this is where I want to ask you, Connell, as a coach, how do you think you'd approach this from a rest perspective? Um, you know, again, as a coach, what do you want? Do you want to be sitting out top guys, star players so that they're, they're healthy? Or do you want everybody kind of getting as much time on the ice as possible and being as sharp as possible heading into the playoffs? I couldn't agree more with the rest thing. Um, I, I've seen it. You know, I, I'll give you an example. I coached uh, the, my, my premier team, the team I'm the head coach of, is the, is the younger team. You know, for, for those who don't know junior hockey, you know, you can play up to your 20 years old. So on my EHL team, which I'm the assistant on, you know, we have, you know, 20-year-olds going into college hockey. It's just kind of the, the nature of things. But on my younger team, I still had some guys who were, you know, seniors in high school and who also wanted to, to play some, some high school hockey, and, and that's all fine. But, you know, you could see our game go to shit um, and, and get tired. Guys get tired. It's a long season. Um, I would be resting two to three guys a night if I could. I, 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 you want to win. You want to compete. Yes, I think winning first is an accomplishment. Um, all that being said, 
Um, Panarin does not need to play every game here. I don't care about the goals with Chris Kreider. I don't think he cares either. He should be getting some rest here. Adam Fox should be getting some rest. Igor should get some rest. Um, I would be resting two, three guys a night if I could. Obviously, having Mott and Kako being hurt right now kind of hurts that. But uh, the final four games of the regular season, um, I would be – it would be a a preseason lineup for me. I, I just don't see any reason to risk it. And force guys that like we talked about their ability to turn it on. Panarin doesn't need any tune-up games. You know, Fox doesn't need any tune-up mm-hmm. games. I think Demika doesn't either. They'll be fine. Um, I think rest is so important. And we talk about you know going to the playoffs and those those teams that we're always going to harken back to as a, as a you know as a podcast as a blog as a fan base. You know, from 11, 12, you know through 14, 15, even 16, 17. You know, not closing series out killed those teams. And so rest is so important. I think to make sure they have the legs to finish it in five and six and not go seven, um, I think is, is should be, in my opinion, would be the priority for the rest. Of, what do they got? Six games left? Mm-hmm. That'd be the priority the rest of the way for me is rest. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised at that answer, Connell. So I'm glad you uh, I'm also, on it. I'm also, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm 28 and I think I'm a little bit more, progressive minded than, you know, 65 year old NHL coaches. So, uh, you know, I think that helps, um, you know, but, uh, yeah, that would definitely be my approach to it. Okay. We have one last question, kind of, uh, different areas. So Spozo211 asked, will Kreider have the best Rangers career out of forwards drafted by the Rangers when it's all said and done? Hmm. Out of forwards drafted by the Rangers. See, that's a good qualifier. In history, meaning. Yeah, I mean, so the draft only started in the late, early 60s, somewhere around there. So I'm going to pull Was up Roger draft Bear drafted? No, Was Roger Bear, in... no, he wasn't. So uh, the draft right. started after the expansion in 67. Uh, that's when that's when the modern draft started. There was like other versions of it, uh, but you could read what a crock of shit it was for all the you know for uh, Montreal and Toronto to get all the players they got. Yeah, no shit, there wasn't any good players in New York in 1955. So yeah, yeah. Uh, d- don't get me started. But uh, yeah, all right. So I'm looking at it. So 66, Brad Park, obviously a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, um, Mike Murphy. Second round pick in 1970, 238, 318, 556 in 831 games. That's actually interesting. Steve Vickers. Steve Vickers, 246, 340, 586 in 700 games. Um, Rick Middleton. Rick Middleton, but he didn't finish his career with the Rangers. Vickers is like always a trivia answer on MSG. That's like a name that always pops up, Steve Vickers. Uh, no, Gresham is a defenseman. Sorry, um, Rick Middleton, but he got traded. I don't know if that counts. I'm assuming no. So right now it's really just Vickers. Um, they have a lot of decent defensemen here. Um, Dugay, who's disqualified for being a total prick. Um, <laughs> Agree. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Don Maloney. 214, 350, 564 in 765 games. I mean, I got to say it though. So many, how, what did he play? Like 79 through 89, roughly? Roughly, yeah. So you got to look at the era he played uh, oh in. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, it was like literally every game was 7 to 4. Yeah. Or like 8 to, eight to 6. Yeah, but he still So the still scoring, scoring was out of control. All right. Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah. Tomas Sandstrom. But he only played a few years with the Rangers. Um, right. So I, I don't have like a photographic memory like Connell does with where some of these guys finished their careers off. So well, you I end up getting – yeah. we're close to getting into the Amanti years. and I mean, Kovalev was drafted by the Rangers, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Kovalev was. But I think we have to go with like, not necessarily career Rangers, but mostly career Rangers. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, no, for sure. If you're talking about greatest – yeah. Forward dra- ever drafted. So obviously Amonti's out. Um, I mean they wow they have so they have not drafted a good forward in quite some time. Doug Wade <laughs> is out. Kovalev is out. 
1992 draft, Peter Ferraro, Matthias Nordstrom. <laughs> Christ. Um, Nicholas Sundstrom. <laughs> Holy crap, these names. Um, the Rangers drafted Eric Bolton. I didn't know that. Uh, Mark Savard was forced his way out of New York. Mike York. God, that was a bad trade for Tom Pody. Manny Malholtra. Jamie Lundbark and Pavel Brendel, if you want to twitch a little bit. Dominic Moore. Oh, Fedor. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Holy Peter Pruker, if you want to go nostalgia. He's a healthy scratch tonight. Let's go. Uh, Ryan Callahan, Brandon Dubinsky, Lori Korpakoski doesn't count. Oh, the Corpedo. Yeah. <laughs> Mark andre Kleesh, who was once famously traded for Sean Avery. Uh, Artem Anisimov. Great That's trade. Great trade. Yeah, that was a great trade. <laughs> That's to be said. Carl Hagling. <laughs> I want to say Jason Ward was the other guy in that trade, if my memory serves correct, but I'm not sure. Uh, Derek Stepon. Right. Chris Kreider. I usually am. Yeah, it's Kreider or Vickers. Yeah. It's Kreider or Vickers, yeah. And maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe Lafreniere will be right up there. Time, he's probably third. Who That's was that crazy one? to think about. I mean, you could probably argue Callahan, too, yeah. I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, in the modern era. But, yeah, that's, you know, it, it, it's a pretty crazy thing to think about. Um, I, you know, the Rangers are, are – I talked about this recently. I mean, the Rangers are a classic Hall of Very Good team. You know what I mean? They, yeah. But they, 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 they failed to have the best guys at their peak, I would say. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I think that's that's been a, a f- probably a fundamental flaw of the organization in its entire existence – which is why I think so many people feel so optimistic about this team because we have Fox at his peak, Panarin at his peak, Zibanej at his peak, Kreider at his peak, Igor at his peak, on top yeah. of a lot of other great depth pieces. And as you said it in the group chat, I think we're watching the game there, Rob. Like, top to bottom, this is probably the – this is easily the deepest Ranger team of the 21st century. And maybe – since 94 i think you could probably make that argument yeah yeah and and right and and i think obviously you had in 94 some pretty great hall of famers at their mm-hmm. peak with messier leach um richter not a hall of famer but a great goalie in yeah. his own right at the top of his game um and then yeah they started importing other guys who were, were a little past their peak in those years after 94 to try and you know grab another cup before messier really hit his later years which lasted a decade unfortunately but um yeah this team look i always look at it this way right in prior years all throughout you know the period of time we're talking about from the mid you know 0506 up until the last playoff run that we saw five years ago the rangers never almost never went into a series and could confidently say like we have the top player or the top skater right obviously at lundquist between the pipes so let's put the goalies to the side i think now that this team has three players, maybe four, going into any series where you could say that guy is the top player in the series. Yeah. Um, Panarin, Zibanejad at his height of his powers, Fox, if he's really putting it all together, Chris Kreider being a 50-goal scorer. So, you know, there, there are actual threats. And like you said, uh, you know, frankly, Panarin probably is, you know, on this track, uh, potentially a Hall of Fame player mm-hmm. who's going to play a bulk of his peak years as a Ranger. You know, look, I mean, if you look at the, the rosters of teams that win Stanley Cups, they're usually littered with Hall of Famers. I mean, there's that one Detroit I, Red Wings team that had like 11 Hall of Famers or something <laughs> ridiculous. I got a great um, trivia question if you if you want to hear it. So shout out to uh, my best friend, Kevin Wynn Stanley. He's a Devils fan. We, we don't, we don't, you know, we, we let him slide, you know, it, it's okay. But uh, they're so bad, I don't really care. Um this is a great Hall of uh, Somebody got a Hall of Famers. And obviously this is a little bit retroactive because you're kind of assuming the Pittsburgh Penguins and, and, and the Caps teams with Ovechkin, they're going to have Hall of Famers. In the expansion era, there is one team who I think you could confidently say does not and will not have a single Hall of Famer on it who's won the Stanley Cup. Uh, can you name it? St. Louis Blues. I got it on my – I got it uh, – so that's going to be the more recent one, right? Is is, is – is, uh, I think we're, we're – I'm going to say – at least go back at least five years here. So okay. he said the Blues could have this opportunity. Does Petrangelo make the Hall of Fame? Maybe. Does Tarasenko? Maybe. Eh, maybe. So they have a lot of maybes. But there's one team who outright has is, is a while back now who won the Cup, 
who at this point looks like they're not going to have a single Hall of Famer on it. It's only one team. How far is a How while? Far? Are we talking like 80s, 90s? Are we talking... No, 21st, 21st century. Carolina Hurricanes? Yeah, so it's that Hurricanes team. And, and yeah. Brendan Moore is probably not going to get in at this point. And so um, you look back, and like I was going through roster after roster, and I, I got it on my second guess because my first guess did it. Like I said, was it World War II affected? And then he's like, okay, I didn't go that far back. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, so, you know, to go to your point there, Rob, I mean, you have to have great players to win. And, and, those, yeah. and we talked about those teams. The only truly great player those Ranger teams had – earlier in you know the late aughts into the early 2010s was Lundquist he's going to be the only Hall of Famer on those rosters not counting a year and a half of Marty San Luis you know what I mean at the tail end of his career right so I mean that's it it goes to show you you need that to win so this team this team what it's Shesterkin maybe if he continues Fox maybe who else are we looking at? The only, be... the only guy I would say right now, I think Rob said it, is on this absolutely guaranteed track, I would say is Panarin. Panarin. Yeah. Um, yeah, Panarin. You know, just uh, – Fox is just still so young, you know. You hope and you, you pray, but, you know, it's he's still so young. You never know. Yeah, yeah. and, and But, I mean, look, one Norris trophy already. and, and You feel good, Paul, yeah. And Hall of Fame resumes get built in the playoffs. There's mm-hmm. a reason why when you go on Hockey Reference, like, yeah, obviously all those Canadian teams are all Hall of Famers. They won 9 million Stanley Cups. Yeah. But, you know, point being that just looking at it from, like, a matchup perspective or a, you know, going into a series, the Rangers are playing the Penguins. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, even Chris Letang, they were all better skaters than anybody the Rangers could put on the ice at any point. Now, you can still win. The Rangers beat them plenty of times in the playoffs, even though they didn't have the better skater. But in the end those teams with the with the better players often are the ones who they get enough cracks they get enough bites at the apple they're the ones who end up winning stanley cups you still need those those top cream of the crop guys and i think like we've been saying the rangers have those players now that their top five excluding shesterkin or top four let's say their top four players Kreider, fox panarin zibanejad are as good as you can do pretty much in the national hockey league right now bar Connor mcdavid and nathan mckinnon they are the rangers are right there in terms of top end talent so let's see where they end up. Um, I think we're done. I think we're, we're a little bit past an hour, but it's been a great discussion. Becky, any more questions before we go? Nope, that's all we've got. All right, Connell, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we'll look forward to having you on again. Uh, please give us a shout out on the uh, Every NYR Goal podcast. Every, all of our listeners should go check that one out. That's only on YouTube, correct? Yeah, yeah, we we uh, Jake had it on Spotify a little bit, but I think we're kind of transitioning more into like just like a 20, 25 minute discussion, so we can kind of make it more just like three, four minute clippable stuff on YouTube. So that's kind of more the direction we're going with that. Cool. All right, well, we'll look out for that, and um, yeah, appreciate it, Connell. It's been fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll uh, we'll see you next week.